Adventures cast. There were some cool kids back in the 80s, you see, who were bored out of their minds, so they turned on the TV. Wait, what is this? Is it the power they see? To their parents, to the toy store, they did decree. They needed a Skeletor, a She-Ra, a Slime Pit, totally. Unique they are, childhoods remain not in the past. These universes were just way too much of a blast. So now they're hosts, let's hope their knowledge is vast. As they gather to rant, rave, and discuss on Masters. Cast. This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 39 for Sunday, March 27, 2011. Hey, thanks for downloading. It's been quite some time. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I'm Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. And I'm Josh Lioncourt, also known as Lioncourt. And I hope you're all laughing right now at that funny little intro that you just heard. We did that for our five-year um, anniversary, which we somehow skipped. <laughs> Oopsie. A couple months ago. Happy anniversary, guys. Yay. <laughs> it's hard to believe we've been doing this for five years. No Technically, kidding. yes. Half a decade. Technically. Dude, if, if, you, if you fudge the numbers the correct way, we can get it to work that way, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we also want to apologize if there is any audio problems because my microphone didn't like my mixer today so we are using a different audio source but I can't help that Hordak won (laughs) but I have proof of that anyway so we have lots to talk about because we haven't talked about anything in a long time (laughs) But yeah, I think, we'll just speak with that. Yeah, I think Josh would like to start us off, though, because he's always the 411 to go to on these type of things. Well, thanks for the warning on that. You're welcome. All <laughs> right. So, uh, well, let's start off. Uh, recent figures, we can talk about that first. Things we've actually gotten in hand. We've had uh, quite a few new releases. We had, uh, since the last time we've talked, we've had probably about a year's worth, so we don't, we'll go through all of them. But. Uh, we've had, uh, recently, we had Bo, we had King Hiss, we had Vicor, the Palace Guards, Buzz Off, Grizzlord. Those are probably the high-profile ones. Uh, I, I'm i happy. I'm liking them. They're doing... Uh, they're, the Vicor, I'm still... I mean, it's a cool figure, but I was just kind of whatever on. Um, King Hiss, also just kind of... A, not, not a character I'm a particularly a fan of, but I think the current incarnation of King S is probably the best uh, version of him we've ever gotten in toy form. Um, but uh, never been a big fan of that character anyway. Beyond that, though, uh, really stellar lately, I think. Uh, Bo was spectacular. I hope I'm not the only person that actually went out and specifically bought string to string his bow. Um, <laughs> because that was really annoying that there was no string on it to me. Um, well, there was no string on the original figure. Yes, but, well, there sort of was. It was just plastic. Well, yeah. Um, but it was still connected, you know. Like, um, it, was, it wasn't a separate plastic string. It was... Right. Well, that's yeah. how most of the toys were back then. But this one didn't have either. So no. it, it annoyed me. So I went and bought string and strung the bow. Um, really, really like bow. Uh, very, very... One of, one of, I think, the best uh, releases to date. And uh, uh, Buzz Off was always one of my favorite characters. Love the 
the figure for him as well. Do wish we had gotten the 2000X style head, and not to start another controversy, but um, that was uh, unfortunate. And uh, well, wait, real, real quick, back to Bo. Yes, um, I just can't wait because going off of Bo, when they do new adventures of He-Man style, He-Man, it's going to look really good. Because um, it's obvious they're taking, they're going to mesh some bow parts on him. That didn't sound right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's not um, awful. Yes, but uh, I think that <laughs> one's going to look amazing, and I better get neon yellow, uh, you know, weapons with him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, having, a hard, I'm having a hard time imagining uh, not being a fan of of New Adventures and uh, Martin. Maybe we'll have a better take on this, but they've said several times now that if they did a new Adventures He-Man, he would have the classic He-Man head. And I'm having a really hard time picturing the classic He-Man in the new Adventures outfit. Although I am much more open to the idea than if they didn't do it that way. It's something that I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. Did they say he would have the classic He-Man head Yes. With new hair. <laughs> they have not specified on the hair situation. Ah. I, well, I would think they'd give him new hair. He would look quite odd if he had uh, his classic hair. Well, one thing, though, at least he would have um, the... Like, it would be New Adventures He-Man, but with the beefier physique. Because the, yes. the first New Adventures He-Man was kind of skinny. He was. So maybe the head would look better. I mean, it would be more acceptable because it would be on the the bulkier body. I'm, I don't know. We could always, if he comes with the helmet, you could just put the helmet on and then, you know. It would be nice if they gave him a separate helmeted head. Well, the thing is, they give other people two heads, so why can't they do uh, like a one with a fake ponytail on the back? Yes, that would be good. You know what? would be nice well all of their uh, you know I, I realize this is a, a controversy that comes up over and over but they keep uh, they, it doesn't seem like they're very consistent on their policies when it comes to the, the heads situation because they're you know they're always saying oh well it, there's got to be a, a compelling reason to do this other head besides the fact that it was 2000X um and yet there are there are uh, plenty of, of different looks in 2000X, and then they use different looks um, for other uh, characters. Because when, when this came up before, people were asking about the New Adventures look and, and whether uh, they would redo He-Man's head sculpt for that figure, and they specifically said no. Uh, and I just, I don't... I don't understand the the logic where that is a problem, but something like giving Man at Arms the the mustache like Filmation had uh, was okay, or uh, or the two Shira heads that we got, or, or uh, whatever it is. Well, it could be because I mean, unfortunately, you know, New Adventures ranks lower on the totem pole than. No, I understand that, but if that's the case, say that's the reason why. 
I, 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 if, and I would be totally fine with that, and I think the fans would be a lot more accepting than the sort of constantly back and forth and contradictory reasons we get for the decisions being made on that particular topic. Regardless of the era that you're referring to, they, they claim that it has to be a compelling reason, a, a, a very different look. Um, and that's, that's fine. If that is the case, I think then that they should do a completely new head for new adventures. And I think we should get uh, more of the 2000X head. But what we don't, um, even when it seems to match their criteria. So if it's just that they don't feel there's enough fans supporting uh, new adventures to justify it, say that. That's fine. I, I think the fans would be a lot more accepting of that. Same thing with I think the uh, fans would be accept- accepting of that, but the problem would be that's kind of like a eh, PR move, right? Like, well, we do have this other property that you know isn't that popular, but we're going to throw you a bone here and give you this figure, but uh, we know it's not. Well, they've kind of said that in in the past. I mean, that's what they were saying, that, oh, well, we're, you're not going to get as many new adventurers figures as you are vintage masters or... Uh, or Princess of Power because it isn't as popular. They they have flat out said that. Well, I guess that's true in a way, yeah. So it doesn't. It really. It, it's very uh, confusing their their whole stance on on uh, multiple heads. But uh, well, that that kind of makes me want to think of this too. So there's always a lot of arguments now I've been seeing going on about the the biographies um, problems in the biographies. The most recent thing was. Uh, calling Adora Hordak's stepdaughter um, instead of being his adopted daughter. I don't know. I think a lot of these things were taking too too much to heart or something. I mean, I, I don't like to be the guy either that says, well, we should just be grateful, right, that we're getting figures at all. You know, <laughs> I, I think you should voice an opinion, but I have to wonder if a lot of the things that you know, people, fans, we continue to nitpick on, isn't really a productive Nick Pit. I, I don't know. Yeah, Nick well, Pit, Nick Pick. <laughs> the the, uh, the biographies in particular are. Um, I, I really don't understand the like the whole stepdaughter thing. Okay, it was a misuse of the word. Uh, we had the same sort of thing happen, although not quite to the same extent, but but still far more than it deserved when they used the the word prophesized instead of prophesied. Yeah, they invented a word that didn't exist, essentially. Fine. Um, <laughs> well, and the thing, too, is, I mean, you know, this is just another canon. I mean, we have, you know, Filmation, we have mini-comics, we have see, the DC comics, we have the Star comics, we have the movie. Uh, there's so many, it doesn't mean that uh, uh, this is the last or the only one. It doesn't erase everything that happened... Well, well, not. I, I don't really even entirely agree with that because I think calling it a canon is almost. Well, no, it is. I think it is overstating it. Um, these are little blurbs on the back of packaging. Um, it's cool that they're all kind of interconnected. They're all kind of telling a story, sort of. But I mean, let's let's face it. If we if we look back at something like the mini comics that are cherished by so many that came with the original toys, there were a hell of a lot more contradictions and continuity errors in those than we've seen because of a misuse of a word in the biographies. Oh, yeah, but I think, too, it's it's just a lot of people are very set in, you know, in my canon, 
da 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 because that's what they're used to seeing or that's what they like. You know, same with the the mini comics. Like, oh, I hate the Prince. I hate filmation because they did Prince Adam changing into He Man, and I like the you know the the few mini comics where He Man is just a barbarian. You know, it's like to me, you're missing a whole other world of He Man fun. Right. I, I don't know how one sustains on just like three mini comics or whatever, but you know what I'm saying? It's just, <laughs> yeah. But I think that's the problem. People, they, they want it their way. So this is just the new thing. I think it would just be kind of like we would be complaining about things that happened in the, you know, the 2000 series because we were used to what happened in filmation. You know, maybe that's why I can't stand King Grayskull besides the fact that he is highly unnecessary. You know, <laughs> he wasn't in filmation. If he was in filmation, maybe I would have a completely different outlook on him. Maybe I would have never disliked him. I mean, it's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I suppose. And I, I tend to be with Masters a lot of, uh, a lot more accepting, despite my, my in general, dislike of New Adventures. Um, I enjoyed the mini-comics. I enjoyed Filmation. I enjoyed 2000X. I, you know, pretty much the, uh, even the old storybooks and things that uh, were sometimes quite strange from a canon standpoint. Uh, I was a lot more accepting of those and I, I don't quite get the mentality of it has to fit into this canon or I don't like it sort of thing. Yeah, I think I'm I'm the same way. I'm kind of open to all of them. Obviously, I have my preference, right? Filmation. Yeah, we all but, do. But I like, I still enjoy all the other ones. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy that kid stuff, you know, book on tape. It's a fun He-Man adventure. Yeah, I tend to be more, and it's funny, yours is Filmation. We should do a little go-round here and see. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do uh, that. Yours is Filmation. Mine is definitely, if I had to pick one specific canon, it would be 2000X. But what? really, really, let me let me preface this, really, my preference <coughs> is um, a bit of a blend between three of them, which is the Filmation canon, the 2000X canon, and the uh, sort of that uh, that canon of, of the storybooks that happened that were coming out right at the same time as Filmation started, like the Castle Grayskull um, book, the uh, the uh, long LP story. Oh, that the, well, the Castle Grayskull one is really good. I it, like the, yeah, the origin yeah. that they do. Right, yeah, and, and it was all loosely based on Filmation's Bible. All that stuff was so. Mm-hmm. Um, that was so between the three of those, if you came across a contradiction, which one would you default to as being correct? Um, usually the the storybook one, oddly enough. Hmm. Um, cause, because really I like the I like how the story the storybook stuff mostly does not contradict filmation. Um, That's good. Be- because it was based on its its Bible. The well, especially some of the 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 Shira ones. Even they just kind of read like a filmation episode. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was later on, though. Yeah, um, yeah. But two thousand X overall, I liked the story. I liked a lot of the canon. My really, my only complaint in two thousand X was that uh, Castle Grayskull was not old enough. And the Hall of Wisdom did not become Castle Grayskull, which was part of the whole Filmation's last storybook canon, which is why I sort of put the the three together, because they don't, overall, they don't contradict each other, those three, very much. So to me, I, I'm able to sort of overlook it and just kind of take the stuff I like from each. So that that's sort of my my preference, I think. 
Hmm. Katie? Definitely Filmation, number one. Um, second to that, it would probably be... Hmm. I can't decide if it would be storybooks over mini-comics or mini-comics over storybooks. Probably mini-comics over storybooks for me. And Martin? Um, mine would probably be a sort of mix of the classic Filmation plus New Adventures cartoon canons, as well as the uh, 200X Young series. Yeah, you bring up a, a good point so the way you phrase that. <laughs> um, I when I say filmation, I'm counting new adventures as well in mine as kind of like you know at one point there's that off shot where he has to go, uh. you know, to Primus. Regardless of when he would actually return or how the logic <clears throat> would work on that, um, I kind of count that as part of the filmation um, canon. Yeah, I like to view that as one sort of big story, despite the uh, the general inconsistencies with the animation, which came from just uh, production changes. I think you can view it all as... And to an extent, you can slap, I think, the live-action movie in there at some point as well. <laughs> so you have one long sort of story going through the 80s. Yeah, I think I think could... I liked... Sorry. No, I was just agreeing. <laughs> I think you could lump, kind of lump the live-action movie in there too. Yeah. I think I like to sort of merge everything together where possible. Uh, but my preference is generally the cartoons. Yeah, mine overall would be the cartoons as well. Although I guess I would kind of put the storybooks ahead of the 2000X. And I would obviously preference anything in Filmation over what they changed in 2000X for the most part. But um, one thing too about New Adventures, you know, kind of just being lumped in with Filmation is that in the pilot episode, he does go, you know, and reveal his secret and, you know, Queen Marlena and King Randor and their whole entire, like, the palace set inside, like the throne room, yeah. it looks very similar to Filmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, a little updated, but you know what? Was- I, I wish there was, uh, in, in some format that I uh, could read, because I think they're actually on the DVDs, but I wish there was some, for- some way of getting the scripts for New Adventures. Um in a format that I could read them, because I actually think that if I could sit down and read the scripts, I might be a lot more appreciative of the story. It's so hard for me to get past the acting in those uh, in that series that it, it's it's distracting from everything else that's going on. It may be easier when you're watching it because you have something where you're not so focused in on the the voice acting. But it was to me um, that's what I have to judge. Um, you know, to follow the story and to, and to judge what's going on. And it's so irritating listening to the, the actors in that <laughs> series. I just can't do it. It's very, very hard. And I, I, because I, uh, even the, um, I know a lot of people aren't a fan, but even the, the uh, mini comics, uh, the four New Adventures mini comics that they did, um, I haven't read the actual comic comics themselves, but I read the, the rather uh, in depth synopsis that they have on He-Man.org for those four comics. And uh, I actually kind of like the the story that they're telling. So it's not the, the drastic change that I have a problem with um, when it comes to that series so much. You like Castle Grayskull splitting open and Starship <laughs> Eternia, like, flying out of it or becoming... <laughs> I, I'm I, not don't, saying I don't it. like that part. I'm glad that was left out of the cartoon, <clears throat> personally. 
Yeah, I'm not saying that that uh, it would have been uh, the way I would have done it. I, I think it could have been done better, but I still enjoyed that that story. It was interesting, at least. Well, see, Martin, we might we might him get we might get him on our side eventually. <laughs> find I think find the me biggest... the scripts and I'll read them. <laughs> I can't find I them in an accessible form. Uh... The biggest thing the new adventures has against it is that they didn't do a proper transition, and I think that's where they lost a lot of people. <laughs> they start off, everyone's in their new costumes, they leave in about ten minutes, and it's just rushed off to the future. Um, and even though I liked that first episode, if they'd stretched it out, explained things a little more, um, I think it would have gone down a lot better than it did. <laughs> Well, you make yeah. a good good point about them being in their new costumes already. Like, if they were, I don't. It might have been a rights issue; they couldn't actually have them look like the or similar to enough to filmation. But um, well, that probably would have helped a lot. Classic, yeah, even if they'd just been the classic toy versions, it would have been closer to filmation. And Mattel yeah, certainly but, would have been able to give them the rights to that. Well, we know how He-Man rights go, though. They're <laughs> 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 all over the place. <laughs> That's what we love about it. And that's why we love the M-O-T-U-C. Motuk. <laughs> yeah, I don't use that. I didn't understand that term. And, and um, I was being told about that. I don't say it that way. Motuk? No, I say M-O-T-U-C. <laughs> I take all the syllables. <laughs> Motuk. Oy. I think in my head I say it as Motuc. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I actually do. I think I say Motuc. Yeah. But if I were yep. to say it to someone in, in public, I would say, oh, so you, you collect the M-O-T-U-C. Well, you, they- you, know, you know, it's funny, being being blind and having my computer talk to me, all of those acronyms are all spoken out. So there's MOTU and POP mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, all of that. So that's how I Does hear it, it say all the time. say for M-O-T-U-C? Uh, it depends on how they've capitalized it. If it's all mm-hmm. capitalized, because some people write it all caps and then it says MOTEC. If they capitalize M, U, and C, which is how I write it, it says Mot U, C. <laughs> nice. <laughs> which I actually, that's, I prefer. If you get to have something like that, that's better. <laughs> so what's like your favorite recent figure, Josh? Uh, pr- probably Bo. Awesome. Is, is is my favorite. The, the, it's the next. It's the upcoming figures, though, that I am super excited about. Such as. Well, we've got uh, the next f- uh, five months. We have Cyclone in April, Catra in May, uh, Faceless One, and Battleground Tila in June, which I know Katie has a problem with. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, July <laughs> is uh, Clawful, and August is Manny Faces. All of those characters high on my list of uh, favorites. So uh, the next five months are going to be spectacular. And we get uh, Panthor in April as well. So I'm oh, nice. very, very excited about the current... Uh, Who I will be box. leaving in his box because he's not flocked. And I will he's be taking not. out, and I will be taking out of his box because he's not flocked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so That's glad a huge he's fail. not flocked. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, because uh, I mean, for me, it's it's strictly a a pragmatic um, preference in that he they are the the flocked 
Panthors from the, the 80s and 2000 line are so difficult uh, to take care of and make sure the flocking doesn't fall off um, that I would just rather not have it all and just have them have, have the fur. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. For a collector's line, though, they're not going to be handled very much. So I can't imagine it being rubbed off. Yeah, I think for unless me... Unless you give it to your two-year-old. <laughs> I think for me it's mainly... Um, the fact that I might feel differently if I didn't move so much. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> constantly moving and my figures are constantly getting packed and then unpacked and then packed and then unpacked. I've, I've moved far too many times. I just uh, moved to the East Coast and most of my collection is in boxes on the West Coast at the moment, um, which is very sad. Everyone feel sorry for me. Uh, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Tiny violin. Thank you. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so for, I don't know. I, I and I just I don't know. I like the the more realistic it is. This is why I like two thousand X too. The more realistic the the look, the better. And I just think the fur is probably better. You know, much in that I prefer plastic hair over rooted hair on on the uh, pup figures. <laughs> well, okay, I'll I concede on that. Now I've totally see your point now, on the flocking versus no flocking because I don't want real hair on the Shira figures. True. So to me, it's a, it's not really any different. So, but I'm still leaving him in his box as punishment. <laughs> <laughs> but I well, will you say, you could have done Grizzlor without real fur. Well, that's you true. Ridiculous. That was part of that was like that was too much of the figure. Yeah, fur. Yeah, but, I mean, I agree. But I, at the same time, I there's still part of me that wishes they could have found another way. Ooh, I, I just, mm, mm. back on Team Katie on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say about Panthor, I, I just have to say I would like to thank whomever does the packaging decisions for the MOTUC um, because A, they did not put, or there's really only one point, so Uno. Um, they did not put that ridiculous looking helmet on Panthor that should not have even been included with that figure. It's not on him in the package. Had it been yes. on him in the package, then I would have had to rip open the package taken off that helmet, stomped <laughs> on it with a hammer. <laughs> okay, now, now uh, here's, this is great because the, the, the helmet was what I wanted to talk about uh, next as well because I, I have not gotten to see the, the helmet yet, um, unfortunately. So... Uh, it's, it's not even from 2000X. No, I, I, I oh. understand this. I, I love 2000X and that's fine. I get that. I... I haven't seen it yet, so I, I don't have a strong opinion either way. I like, at least, though, I like the concept of the the ram's head sort of thing fitting in with Skeletor's staff and all that. I think that's a good idea. Was it poorly executed, in your opinion? Or what, what don't you like about the, the helmet? It's ugly, and there's where you could have gotten all of the mold and material for your New Adventures ponytail head. <laughs> Well, so, I mean, most, I mean, arguably, all of the... I just think it's really ugly. All of the Masters villain stuff is ugly, though. No, but it looks... Cur I don't know. This just doesn't even look like it, it fits. I don't know. I don't know. I just... I can't stand it. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just trying to understand where the dislike stems from. Because, like I said, I like the idea. Well, is I'm not big, big on, like... Yeah, it's really big... Um, I just don't think it looks right on him. Maybe if it was smaller, I don't know. It's just something is unwrong, and it's 
you know, I'd already didn't get flocking, and now they had to add this weird helmet. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. I just I can't. I don't like it. I don't well, like on, it. on our next show, I will I will render my verdict. Okay. And maybe we can argue about it. Like Perhaps I said, may- I, I like the idea, but uh, but it'll really depend. There's been other things where I like the idea and I didn't like the the final. The actual execution of yeah, exactly. that idea. Yeah. So, well, know, that's I, fine. Like, I wouldn't have been mad, I don't think, if it was more less obtuse or something. I don't know. It's just large and in charge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Martin, break the, break the tie. Break the tie? Um, uh, <laughs> it's too much pressure. Uh, <laughs> I th- I thought it was okay, but I can't see myself displaying it with the helmet. <laughs> we'll take that as you hate the helmet too. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I didn't want to get Martin in trouble. Josh is a very vindictive person. As oh, we yes. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. All right. Now, I want to get into this a little bit with Katie because she doesn't like the Battleground Teal. It's another thing I've not seen, so I'm I'm strictly going by what people have said. <clears throat> so, um, Katie has a problem with Battleground Tila. I like the idea of Battleground Tila, so we'll see. Well, maybe you should tell me first why you like her, and then I'll say why I dislike her. Um, I just like the idea, first of all, of getting our, a quarterly variant that isn't a He-Man or Skeletor, for one thing. Um, burn out on those. I think that's pretty much all we've gotten at this point, if you count King Grayskull's a He-Man variant, which I do for all mm-hmm. attempts and purposes. So, um, one Dar, one Dar He-Man variant, uh, Battle Armor He-Man, obviously, Keldor, obviously, uh, it's time, we needed something, we needed something else. So, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy we're getting somebody different this time. Uh, Aside uh, from that, uh, my understanding is that it's loosely based on a, a comic uh, look that she had in a mini comic or something. I'm not quite sure because I obviously didn't see all of those. Um, and I don't know. I just I'm glad they're doing something different. Okay, um, I agree with that part of your your argument. It's definitely time to do something other than He-Man or Skeletor. But do they really have to put her in a bikini? And does she really have to look nothing like Tila whatsoever? Not cool. Like, okay, there are plenty of collector lines out there for males that typically are the <laughs> the, the ones that do most of the collecting where there are scantily clad women. They're all over the place. We don't need to introduce them into MO2. MO, however you but, say it. But most <laughs> of the, the classics line. But most of the classics characters are scantily clad. That's part of Masters in general. They all are. But oh. it's a different kind of scantily no. clad. You don't have cleavage and you this... don't have butt cracks hanging out of the male characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Tila is more like Hi, I'm Tila. For a good time, dial one nine hundred nine hundred. Maybe maybe my opinion will change when I actually um, see the figure. But I I I just, I just I, to me all of them pretty much the entire line is like that. So it seems a little bit um, a little bit of a double standard to say okay, it's okay for He Man to be wearing next to nothing. Uh, 
And I mean, really, a bikini, uh, come on, the original Tila wasn't wearing that much as it was. It can't be that big a difference, really. Well, the original Tila, though, has a, like a full body suit on, though. You know, like a... Uh, well, it's like a I think it, suit. I would agree with Katie that the Battleground Tila um, displays more of a sexualized persona than the way He-Man dresses. I, a stereotypically way. I'm sure there are many a man and or woman that find He-Man's look <laughs> to be <laughs> on the sexy side. But I but think it's not in a, in a speedo. Yeah, but in a more stereotypical <laughs> sense, the, the battlegr- it, battleground uh, Tila fits the. Okay, hang on. Oh. Does anybody find speedos attractive? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I got a lot of looks when I went to the beach and I wore one, but I didn't know <laughs> if they were compliments or what. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it was bright orange. I was just happy that you know this is. A- a line based on a children's cartoon from the 80s that they were keeping it kind of respectful in that sense. And now it feels like, oh, well, all these other lines are selling so well because they've got scantily clad women. We need to have one, too. It's like, really? You really didn't. It's selling fine the way it is. It's selling out in freaking 10 minutes every time they put a figure out. It was unnecessary to me. So you'd be fine, though, if her maybe her the outfit, even if it was still maybe, you know, the bikini setup, because they got to make it look similar to the source material of the, the mm-hmm. comic book. But maybe if it wasn't as, um, as va-va-va-voom or something, right? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> but I don't know. I just seems like they could have picked either, well, not necessarily a different character, because I'm glad they did another female. That does make me happy. But I think... Yeah, I think they could have found a different kind of variation. Tila do. just doesn't look correct as a blonde anyway. That's a no. territory. I mean, personally, and I realize we won't get it because there is some sort of... And I, 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 I hate opening up the can of worms again. And Everybody knows I'm a huge 2000X fan, but there, there definitely, whether Mattel agrees or not, there's definitely a prejudice against the 2000 look um, in the current classic line. I have no problems with the classicized... Uh, versions that like I love the Count Marzo. I'm glad we're getting faceless one. Chief Carnivus was awesome. I love all of that. That stuff is great, even though they've been classicized, as they put it. That's well, great. Yeah, but I think they look a lot like the 2000X cartoon. My, a lot of my problems with the 2000X cartoon versus toys is again the toys looked a little different than the cartoon. Like that's why I like the Snake Men figures um, from the 2000X a lot because they looked like the cartoon. Like, okay. I think that, like, Carnivus and Faceless One in MOTUC look like the 2000X cartoon. Maybe not, but they don't look like, I agree, with the style of the 2000X action figures. Okay, but my, where I was going with that was that they, they do have this prejudice because, really, I think um, <clears throat> something like a, a T. Leverian, if they wanted to do one, doing one more like the 2000X version where she's got the, the ponytail and stuff, which I thought was a much better look for Tila. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I would have liked that. I think the fans would have embraced something like that. It's, Absolutely. Um, her outfit is basically the same, though. It's very similar, yes, but it would be a variant. These are not supposed to be radically... I mean, look at look at Battle Armor, He-Man, and Skeletor. They're not radically different. Their their torso is different, essentially. That's it. Uh, they're mm-hmm. more, they are on a much different level, though I feel different, than if you were to do 2000X Tila. Uh, I, uh, they, to me, it would have just been like they should have had a 2000X Tila head with ponytail with 
Well, I agree, but we're not getting that. No. And I mean, I think they could offer other uh, variations with it. My my point is, I think that uh, there should be... they they And they did it for Zodak um, before they really started clamping down on the... We're not doing 2000X uh, variants, but um, I, I do think that would have been a nice... Thing. Same thing, Evil Lynn. Evil Lynn's costume in 2000X was quite a bit more different than uh, than her classic version. I would love to see them do that as a as a variant of her, and I just I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. Well, I think too, maybe because um, you, I think too, maybe you notice more of the differences than we do because we're kind of just looking at it, whereas you have to, you know, you're feeling to see how the differences are, right? So maybe. What what you're considering to be right, like a drastic improvement or change, we're not really appreciating. That may that could be. And I definitely, you know, I hope that's when I say things like that, I hope it's not coming across as like, ha ha, I've got better. Oh no no no! I think that just could be like a part of the disconnect because, like, when you say, you know, Eva Lynn's, I'm like, well, yeah, it had that a little bit of a difference on the skirt and stuff. You know, well, but I'm not. I guess the, the bones and everything on her. on general. Like, see, I'm not seeing that really as a difference. I guess you know what I mean. Like, I'm just like, oh, that was just kind of you know little details they added, mm-hmm. but the basic outfit is sort of the same, at least from the you know the filmation cartoon version. So I, I think that could be one of the the issues we're having is I'm not. Some of us might not realize the actual artistic changes. That yeah, they could it, make while still keeping in the same lines of the original design. Right, right. And that may be. And I, I definitely would like to see more of that. I, I'm such a huge fan of 2000X. So. Really? I know. You never would have guessed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it will, it will, even I'm, I am so loving MOTUC. I have, I just, everything about it's great, but my definitive Masters, uh, I think, is always going to be that 2000 line. It, it, it was what I wanted masters to be it was highly detailed um it was taken a lot more seriously um and that's that's the masters that i uh enjoy now as an adult so well if you insist on being an adult all right (laughs) (laughs) i'm still hovering around 14 right now i think all right well, it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, Katie, you had some interesting t-shirt information. I did. Um, I follow... Well, not... Well, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Let me start over. I follow T-Fury on Facebook, so I get an update every day as to what their new t-shirt is. And recently, I've seen a couple... MO2 designs, which I was thrilled about because we haven't had any new um, He-Man or She-Ra t-shirts in years. Uh, one of them was based on an old Guns N' Roses uh, album called Appetite for Destruction. They basically just took the same album design and inter- or put in He-Man character heads instead of the band members' heads. And it said Appetite for Eternia, something else at the top. Now I can't quite remember what it said. But it was completely awesome. It was one of those, if you see it from a distance, you just think it's the Guns N' Roses shirt. But when you see it close up, it's like, oh, ha that's awesome. And then the second one was a kind of smash up between He-Man and the Smurfs, where it's got Papa Smurf writing on Azrael, but Azrael is um, purple, so it looks like 
kind of a panther mashup there. And Papa Smurf is dressed like Skeletor, holding Skeletor's sword. And Azrael <laughs> has eaten another Smurf. So <laughs> it's kind of awesome. It's like Papa Smurf's dark side. Uh, so those were completely awesome that I had to get, obviously. And then the other day I was at Hot Topic looking for Rainbow Bright stuff <laughs> and came across a She-Ra t-shirt. And I was like, seriously, it's She-Ra, oh my god! I mean, it was a girl shirt, obviously, but that's awesome. I'm, I'm hoping they're going to come out with more. What was on so, the She-Ra shirt? Uh, let me find the picture of it. I want to say it was like just her writing Swiftwind. Mm. I remember. Um, was it cartoon style I'm assuming yes yes it probably would have been licensed out then by uh, classic media since they own the, oh, there it is. the rights which actually kind of segues into if no if you do not already own the entire series of She-Ra on DVD uh, classic media just released the entire series as one box set I picked it up. I did not check the quality of the discs yet, um, but inside you get like stickers and an iron-on for a t-shirt. Woo! Um, but it was kind of nice to have a backup from the the DCI, or DCI BCI uh, DVDs. What does the iron-on look like? It's just um, a headshot of Shira. Oh, okay, but yeah, I did find the picture. It just says Shira, Princess of Power, and yeah, it's got Shira riding on Swiftwind. Classic cartoon style. So see, you could go buy the shirt at Hot Topic um, and order the DVDs and sit and have a little party. And they, <laughs> we should also mention that they've also released uh, season one of the uh, Filmation Masters series as well uh, on DVD in the same sort of uh, packaging, although I don't think there's any stickers or iron-ons or anything in that. No, but I really like the cover art for that DVD release. I would like a poster, please. <laughs> you know, I always want a poster, but I definitely I want a poster of it. <laughs> but it uses um, Emiliano's artwork from the BCI DVDs. Um, but it's just kind of it's just put together differently, you know, than than the other covers were. Um, and it's like a darker purplish background and stuff. But I don't know. I just thought it looked really cool, um, so I wanted a poster. That I'll was all. Just putting that out that to the universe. Just putting that out there, poster. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to get those too because I, that, it'll, it's just a, it's a pretty cheap, for lack of a better word, right? Yeah. A way to have uh, backup copies from the, the BCI stuff. Yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, speaking of merchandise-related things, uh, the other day over here, I saw He-Man and She-Ra birthday cards. <laughs> <gasps> no way! Yeah. I want some. <laughs> I yeah, do too. Martin, I just I, missed my birthday. My birthday is coming up in six months. And right. mine just passed. Uh, mine just passed six weeks ago. So um, <laughs> you can feel free to send me a late. Card. <laughs> um, just so we can put this into perspective, Martin mm -hmm. has been waiting at least three years, if not more, for Masters Cast related merchandise <laughs> that I was supposed to oh, send yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> that I never got around to sending that is still like sitting in an envelope in my apartment <laughs> and it says I th believe the envelope says Martin on it but I, I never got to the point of writing his address on there <laughs> just throw it in the mail it'll reach me eventually <laughs> I mean you're, you're, you're the most famous Martin I know it's really good there 
it'll get there. So I just wanted to put that in, in perspective that I, I can't hold it against Martin if he waits like 10 years to send me a email. <laughs> <to take art>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you want to, if you def- actually in all seriousness, Martin and I would be happy to pay for uh, those if you, <laughs> if you would send me some. That'd be great. <laughs> I will have a look next time I go uh to the place where they were. <laughs> yeah, what's up awesome. with Hallmark? Man, they used to own He-Man and She-Ra, and we never got a He-Man and She-Ra birthday cards. Oh, <laughs> surely back in the day there were. No, 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 no. That was before Hallmark owned them, though, right? So, like, Hallmark owned uh... them after Filmation was sold from, you know, L'Oreal or yeah, whatever. Like, all through the yeah. 90s and everything. We did get some yeah. merchandise back then, but no, uh, no cards. Yeah, I mean, you would think Hallmark could tap into that wonderful power. But. I, Hallmark didn't ever seem to do anything that they really should have with the Filmation Library. It was very strange that they bought it in the first place and did, you know, yeah, well, they made a few t-shirts and some patches and things, and that was the extent of it, and they never tapped into uh, what could have been fairly lucrative for them. I yeah, think. and I mean, I'm talking the entire Filmation property. I, I remember in the Hallmark store, they had the Snow White Christmas special that Filmation did. Because I remember I, I bought it. I still have it on, on you know, VHS, but I was like, why can't Hallmark, like, why didn't they release the, you know, the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special, too? You know, I just remember being so angry at Hallmark, yet I still buy people cards. You know what? That is just a ripoff, though, having to buy people cards all the time. Now, that was one of our famous side rants that have nothing to do with He-Man and She-Ra that we often have on this show. Um, so, avoid Hallmark holidays. <laughs> release He-Man and She-Ra cards for the appropriate. No, Hallmark, Hallmark is horrible. I didn't realize they had purchased the rights like that. But yeah, they've had Rainbow Bright since the 80s and they still mm. do crap with her. It's horrible. We see merchandise for every other 80s property out there like saturating the market. Where's <laughs> He-Man and She-Ra? Where's Rainbow Bright? Nowhere to be seen. Arguably three of the biggest properties of the 80s. So Yeah! Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, because what? For for guys, it was Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man, right? I mean... Voltron. No, that's crap. I, oh, I agree, it's crap. <laughs> I, I totally agree, it's crap. I'm just saying that was another big one. <laughs> Maybe because I was born in the 80s as opposed to the 70s, right? Yeah. yeah that Maybe that's be. why I don't have this Voltron. He totally just called us old. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> That's well, right. I'm just saying, we are old, Mar- Martin and I are actually <laughs> 80s children as we were born in the 80s. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not judging you 70s people. <laughs> I yeah, saw reruns of the Partridge in the 70s. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm happy. Let me say, I'm happy I was born in the 70s because I got to enjoy more of the 80s. He's got a point. The 80s were awesome. I, yeah. the 80s, I didn't have any negative experiences in the 80s. <laughs> I loved I, the 80s. I don't remember the 80s because I was only about three when they finished. <laughs> but oh, very happy See, we should all feel sorry for Martin because he, he missed, he didn't get to enjoy the 80s. <laughs> That's true. But he was still born in the 80s and that counts. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if I see another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt or glass or anything, <laughs> I think I'm going to scream. I never liked the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They never. Maybe that was because they were later 80s. They were ladies. Yeah. yeah. The ladies. <laughs> Those ladies. <laughs> I like the turtles well enough, but they're not nearly as cool as He-Man. 
No, that's why they're on. You know, I hate to say this. I don't mean <laughs> to hate on other people's happiness, but <laughs> those <laughs> stupid Thundercats are getting a new cartoon. Yes, <laughs> yes, I noticed this too. Right. Now I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give it a chance because I've always wanted to like Thundercats because that sword is really cool. I just never could get into the '80s version. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna. I'll watch this one. I do like their theme song and the sword. But still, it just it upsets me. Although they haven't had a new cartoon, we did get new adventures. We got two thousand, you know. Well, I, you know, Thundercats. The I tried watching the um, original '80s one several times as a child, and also as an adult. My problem with that is the same thing with, as it is with New Adventures. The acting is beyond awful. Well, yeah, that's the point. I've actually had at least a, a few Thundercats, you know, fans concede that point to me that. The voice yeah, I, I would actually say that, uh, unbelievable as it may be, it, I think the acting is actually worse than New Adventures, and that is really wow. something. <laughs> Maybe that's why my brother and I made fun of it so much. I just didn't realize at the time what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. <clears throat> well, back but to... They, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, they also showed reruns of Thundercats on Cartoon Network, like, constantly over the yes. last, I don't know, 10 years. That's well, true. It was on Toonami. Yeah. So it's gotten way more exposure than He-Man has. Yeah, the last time ours were... Well, I mean, they're in reruns now on stations that I, of course, do not get. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we once it, their run was done on the uh, USA Network here in the States, then there was no more He-Man and She-Ra on, yeah. on TV, sadly. Until the, you know, 2000 series came out. Mm. Sad news. <laughs> but in any case, uh, back to uh, actual He-Man-related topics. Um, so... We have a wonderful, definitely not pre-recorded, interview with uh, <laughs> James Etock, great friend of the cast, as we like to say. Um, if you don't already own it, he has the unofficial guide to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe out, so it's a guide about the entire Filmation series. Um, it, fantastic book. Um, he also does Serial Geek magazine, SerialGeek.com. Uh, both Serial Geek and the book are in this month's issue of Diamond's Previews, so get your comic book store to order them for you uh, and order them for their store. Many copies. I'd like to see a whole aisle of them if possible. Um, <laughs> might not be a realistic goal, but I'm just putting that out there in the universe. So here's our interview by the book, by the magazine, and you'll have a real big happy smile on your face. <laughs> All right, I am sitting down right now with James Etock, who put out the unofficial cartoon guide to He-Man and the Masters of the Universe that focuses all on the Filmation uh, He-Man series. So thanks for coming on the show, James. It's a pleasure to be back on uh, Masters Cast. That's right. You've been you've been on many an episode in the past. I was like the I made little cameo appearances uh, to just. I think it was a while back. It was was it the Heyman DVDs at the time? I think we were waxing lyrical on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good Some times. Good times. Memories, man. <laughs> makes me makes me smile. But just in case there's someone that uh, doesn't know uh, who you are, can you give everyone a little bit of uh, background on how you've been involved on uh, different He-Man and She-Ra projects in the past? Oh my goodness. Um, where to begin? Uh, well, I guess at the start. Uh, back in the days, um, you know, I'm a big fan of He-Man and She-Ra get on the internet in what late 90s no early 90s actually um start up my own website just a just i think it was called the he-man and she website 
and uh, I think four people visited it, and it got a virus, and it closed down, and I had to, it was a big mess. Um, and then this guy, this chap called Zadok Angel, approached me and said, would you like to work on something I'm doing called the Episode Review website, in which we review He-Man and she episodes? And I was like, not really. <laughs> and I was very honest about that. I've, I always said to Zadok, you know, and he was like, come on, write some episode reviews. So me and him start talking, and... Uh, people, you know, interested in because back then as well, episodes weren't readily available. So we were discussing episodes that people hadn't seen in years, um, and we're talking about He-Man and She-Ra. And then uh, Robert Lamb, writer of uh, Into the Abyss and Not So Blind and She-Ra episodes, and a storyboard artist, got in touch with us and said, "Hey, I loved your review of Into the Abyss. Um, you know, here's some bit of information for you." And we started conversing, which has to this day never stopped. You know, myself and Robert Lamb still talk. We're friends on Facebook. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so we still talk and stuff. And um, through him, he started, you know, providing me with like the series Bible and all this information. And our little episode of your website kind of got, you know, a bit of a, not a name for itself, but people would go there to see some pretty cool stuff. From that, um, I got contacted by Mattel and they were like, do you want to write a, um, an encyclopedia for our 2002 cartoon so the writers can who are writing this new series can have some material to look back on I was like yeah sure I did that and uh, the UK DVD company contender said we're doing He-Man on DVD and I was like oh my god fantastic and I got to work on those as a co-producer and I've done a few other things um, which I can't remember I wrote one issue of the um, MV Creations Masters of the Universe Encyclopedia which was, I wrote five issues, but unfortunately only one was published, probably due to my bad writing, which was <laughs> atrocious. And poor Leanne um, Hannah, bless her, had to edit the hell out of that stuff. And uh, I apologize to Leanne if you're listening. Um, I, I use the word, I believe, traverse is one of my favorites, and uh, concussive blasts were uh, two <laughs> that I repeated frequently throughout these things. But yeah, so I've, I've been involved in um, the He Man and She -Ra fandom and kind of like the official stuff for about I don't know about nearly 10 years now I guess and yeah. it's been one hell of a ride well I do I remember the my favorite part of the episode uh, review site was <laughs> when you would uh, in an episode if the camera pans yeah. <laughs> uh, you would you would take the screenshots and and you know place oh, them right. all together so it would be one massive image and I always remember thinking like that is so awesome <laughs> I can see it all at once right now it's quite funny. I, I, every once in a while, I look back at those old episode review website stuff because there's still people who say, oh, I would really love to read them again. And are you ever going to start that up again? It's like, no, it's all right. And you read that stuff. And um, Zadok's reviews really still hold up because, you know, I've said before, the guy was um, he was at Harvard in the same English class as Natalie Portman, you know, as you do. <laughs> Um, so he knows this stuff, you know, and he, he was writing really specific, you know, getting to the point, unlike me, who waffles in person, and back then even worse, I would just waffle in my reviews, everything was nice or classic or rubbish, <laughs> and it's just, and reading these old reviews, I'm like, ugh, nobody should ever see those again, and plus I found some really bad um, uh, continuity flaws in my reviews as well, which I will will never ever show off again so uh, <laughs> but yeah like, like I say Zadok's reviews still hold up um, yeah that, that, was, that was a good website man we had a lot of fun doing that we like, used to update every Saturday as well like mm -hmm. this was the days before you know 
um, server space was not readily available, but like, you know, people, poor people like myself couldn't really afford to. So I had like a, a website with maybe 10 meg- megabytes of space on it. And every Saturday I'd have to upload the reviews, the pictures, the HTML every Saturday. So we'd have like four reviews one weekend, delete all that material, four reviews the next, delete it all and just chop and change. So it was, um, that was hard going, actually, now I think about it. The episode review website will never return. <laughs> I just got on record as saying that. It is over. <laughs> well, since it's not here anymore, we have the next <laughs> best thing, um, yes. which is the book you just put out. Now, how did you get like how did you get the idea started that you should compile all of this into a book? Uh, you know, did the success of your magazine, Serial Geek, kind of push this forward? Or what do you think? I don't think really Serial Geek was a part of it, to be honest. I think Serial Geek proved that I could, uh, to myself, that I could self-publish. I was like, oh, I can do this. you know. But originally, when I did this He-Man book, um, I was writing um, with a publisher in mind who was going to publish it, and I wouldn't have to pay to get it published. Um, but uh, no, the idea was just like I had, you know, I'd been like this, um, the cartoon expert, you know, uh, for for want of a better term, for years, or as or as I appeared on one of the DVDs as um, He Man and She historian, I believe was my yes, I remember <laughs> the credit. <laughs> <laughs> How I chuckled when I saw that credit, but um, it was a lovely credit. Um, yeah, so so I did that. Uh, I, I kind of did that, and I was like, right, okay, I'm the historian, I'm the cartoon guy. And the thing was, I, I mean, I do my He-Man and She-Ra blog, and I love, I love always, I love the cartoon. That's you know my one thing that out of all the canons and all the various He-Man and She-Ra uh, things, uh, for want of a better word, again, um, the cartoon is is the thing that my you know is closest to my heart. I grew up, you know, worshiping that cartoon. Worship's maybe too strong a word, but I think you know <laughs> what I mean. I liked it a lot, and um, and then like working on the BCI DVDs. And knowing all these, you know, writers and storyboard artists and people over the years have just accumulated so many scripts. And I thought to myself, I'd love to, like, you know, get all this information in one place, you know, for myself. And it would be really cool if everybody else could read about it too. You know, because I was reading stuff in the scripts that from the outside appeared to be the final scripts and then be full of, you know, character changes or, you know, random stuff like Ordeal in the Darklands mm-hmm. which is uh, half of a different episode completely when you read through the script you're like none of this happened where was the shrinker the shrinker never appeared in the episode you know <laughs> look up episode 20, 28 I think it is and um, so that kind of thing and I, I thought I, w- I really want to get this all on paper somewhere so I just started compiling it and I'd, I'd previously done it on to a lesser extent for the BCI DVDs when I was writing all their trivia I was like right okay you know, skimming through the scripts and, you know, Orko originally says this, but in the episode he says that. It's just really minor things. And for the book, you know, when I th- first started writing, I'm going to try and do a book of this. I just started compiling it all and it became like this monster of a book. And I was like, oh, please don't be over 100 pages. And I was like, oh, you're over, you're over 300 pages. Terrific. <laughs> and it just um, evolved out of that, really. It was just like, I, I want to get this all down on paper somewhere. And this seemed like a, a really kind of logical, to quote Mr. Spock, logical choice, you know. Well, how did you, how did you figure out how to structure the book, as in what uh, type of content you wanted inside it? Um, 
I can tell you how I, I, I um, where I got the idea for the format of the book was was that um, back in the late nineties, uh, I was a big, I was big into Friends as quite a, you know quite a few million million people were across the world. I might have heard of the show, yeah. Oh, you might have heard it in passing. Um, I don't know what they've done since Friends. I heard they all, they're all out of work, but. Uh, no, this I was I was like beginning of Friends. I kind of discovered it about three years after it had come out, and I bought this. Um, I'm such a nerdy fanboy when it comes to anything, which this is one of the reasons I never got into Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I know I would have to, for some reason, part of me would have to make a website or analyze it or review it. I thought I can't get into that show because I know <laughs> I'm gonna, you know. But I got into Friends, and I really enjoyed it. And I bought this book called The Unofficial Guide to Friends, and it was um. Actually, that's kind of where the origin of the book comes from. I remember like reading this book and just thinking, this is like the late 90s, thinking, oh, it'd be really cool to do a Heyman one. But back then, I didn't have the material or the knowledge to even even come close to putting a book together like that. And um, this book was you know, really well structured, like the production information, then it had the synopsis, cast. But what this book did really well um, is kind of break it down into like each character in certain episodes, you know, their kind of qualities, how they would be written into the episodes. There was like, I think it was Chandlerism. So there was all like the kind of Chandler one-liners and wit and all that business. And there was, there was like Phoebeisms. There's all this stuff. And it was a really informative book. And um, I've still got it to this day on my shelf. And um, yeah, so I remember thinking, oh, I'd love to do that. And when I came to, well, I'm going to do this unofficial guy to man book, I started, I just looked at that book and right, right, there's my structure. I'm going to completely steal the structure <laughs> and uh, started putting it together. And um, and I thought, you know, I'm looking at these scripts and I'm thinking, I've got to break this. Because I think on the BCI DVDs, it was just trivia, which was just anything that wasn't apparent in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this, I thought, let me try. I remember having a conversation with Andy Mangles once and him saying to me, there's a difference between like, you know, trivia and deleted scenes or whatever. And it's just obvious but when you can kind of compile it all it all becomes one big mess so i started i thought right there's my trivia there's my deleted scenes okay i'll put memorable quotes in there because there's some good lines in each and every hayman episode and and to an extent i tried to do the uh phoebe's phoebeisms and child arrest by having um i had most powerful man in the universe which was like all the random acts of ridiculous strength that he-man does like moving a mountain moving a moon oh, we won't talk about that uh, <laughs> turning into a whirlwind all these weird things and um and the, the the other thing as well which i kind of was a very much a last minute thing was i thought for my own benefit really cause, uh, there'd probably be a few people who wouldn't mind reading this but i thought i'd like to actually review the episode at the end not like i used to write these lengthy reviews for the episode episode review website but i thought a little tiny paragraph of text summing it all up you know this is what i think of Teela's quest this is what i think of the problem with power we won't talk about that (laughs) (laughs) john and i have differing opinions when it comes to the problem with power. maybe just maybe just maybe um i still have that little uh comic strip you illustrated from using video grabs from the thing i discovered it the other day oh no do you remember that you you uh you you gave it to me at one of the comic cons i think it was the san diego and i was sitting there and you and we were talking, you're like, I've got something for you. And you pulled it out. It was just like this um, comics, uh, like comic strip, but like using images from the cartoon, just completely ripping Problem of Power to shreds. <laughs> I kind of picked up. I was like, hey, you might have a point there, but I'm not going <laughs> to look at it for too long. Uh, I, I vaguely remember this. You're going to have to forward it to me. <laughs> I'll, have to, uh, I'll scan it and forward it to you. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, th- I thought, let me start doing little reviews. And, and out of that, I, I thought, let me do a rating system. And it sounds silly because, you know, 
your kind of opinion changes every time you watch an episode. Like you might think, oh, this is awful. And then you think, oh, it's not so bad, whatever. But I thought it'd be nice to record them all in one place so I can go, ah, oh, I gave the Star Child, you know, three out of 10 or something. Or <laughs> I gave Tila's Quest 10 out of 10, which is a no brainer. And it's just all these, it was just, you know, an extension of how to, keep it all in one place I guess this this book is like my brain like spilled out to paper it's a horrible thought it's not that graphic but yeah I thought that'd be um, just a good way to keep it all in one place and so everybody else could go oh my god I didn't know that about this episode or because that's what it is it's, it's highly informative there's a phrase I should have used in the advertising <laughs> there, there you go. I, I like, though, how you said it was the book itself. The format was inspired by Friends. Um, I do love Friends as well. Uh, probably oh, probably my favorite sitcom ever. And uh, we can all know that Courtney Cox was, of course, in the Masters of the Universe oh, live action good, movie. Good and, connection. <laughs> and Courtney Cox's mother on Friends played oh, the sorceress in the movie. So cool, it's all full circle now. Yeah, no, I remember when... when um, I don't, I'm trying to think if that was mentioned in this friend's book. I'll have to go back and read it now, see if they made mention to it. But yeah, I remember um, at the at the credits and I saw Christina Pickles and I was like watching the Friends episode. I was like, I know that name from somewhere. I know it from somewhere. And as much as I dislike the live action movie, um, I, I, I reckon, you know, I kind of look back, oh, she was the sorceress. You know, how cool is that? But, um, I need to give that live action movie another watch at some point. Well, it's it was so odd too. I was I saw the movie Wall Street Money Never Sleeps yesterday. Oh, yeah, okay. And Frank Langella is is in it for a brief period of time. <laughs> and so of course I immediately think Skeletor. And what was so awesome was there's a sequence in the movie where uh, Shia LaBeouf's character is kind of like channeling things that Frank Langella had told him. Okay. And, and they do one of these kind of like fade ins of of like Shia LaBeouf's profile is on the screen and like beside him, you see like Frank Langella fade in and he says something, you know, that Shia remembers him saying to him. And I was yeah. like, I was like, Ooh, the evil Skeletor is giving, he's giving him advice. <laughs> it's like telepathy in the cartoon. Yes, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> wow. But yeah, it's, I it's, I, yeah. I love how these little, you know, connections kind of, kind of flow, uh, uh everywhere. Well, that was another thing when I was writing this book and like, there's obviously, you know, a good few hundred people worked on this series, probably more than that. And, um, you know, reading like, I, as I was doing kind of, I was researching the book at the same time as I was researching the information and I was typing like storyboard artist names and, you know, seeing that someone worked on the Lion King or like, I knew this one that uh, Victoria Jensen had uh, co-directed Shrek. And I was like, how cool is that? That this, this woman, you know, who co-directed Shrek had previously worked as a storyboard artist on Huntara, the She-Ra episode, even mm -hmm. though that I didn't mention Huntara in the uh, He-Man book, but uh, that's for the She-Ra book, um, with any luck. Um, but it's just nice to, you know, it, to do all this, and like, all those connections to the Wizard of Oz and connections to King of the Hill and Family Guy, not because they reference He-Man every other episode, but because one of the people who worked on He-Man actually worked on Family Guy. And it's just, it, the connections are kind of what sometimes what makes... The you know the geeky information you know all the more better. Well, when, speaking of that, so when you were compiling all of the information for each episode, yeah. did you end up coming across any new information that you hadn't weren't aware of? Yeah, or, oh, totally. Or yeah, oh, totally. I mean, the one of the the biggest ones for me was that I didn't have the complete script to Dawn of Dragoon, um, just for that's the one where Orko goes back to his home dimension. For mm -hmm. those listening. 
Um, and uh, and I, mean, I, mean, I think I had like three quarters of the script or something. So the end was missing. Like He-Man, Prince Adam discovers, he, you know, I can transform into He-Man by saying the phrase backwards. Grayskull, I'll power thee by. Although, yeah, in the script, it's written, he has to pronounce it phonetically backwards, which is a, it would have been a mess. So it's like, oh, Luke's, yeah. yeah, it's really kind of like, I thank goodness they went for Grayskull of power thee by. Um, but yeah, so I didn't have this. And about late last year, I think it was, I'm, I'm writing the book and I managed to got, um, obtain the storyboards for Dawn of Dragoon. Like, oh, cool. So I'm flicking through it. Very nice. And I get to the page where He-Man and uh, Dragoon and Battlecat are fighting beside the bottomless hole of Troller, as uh, Dragoon likes to call it, which is a bottomless hole on Troller. Uh, very apt. And um, in the in the episode, uh, Dragoon's got this giant boulder and he, he throws it towards He-Man, but the boulder's got all these vines on and it, it, Dragoon gets dragged down into the bottomless hole. But he just manages to, you know, kind of catch himself on a ledge. So he's like hanging down there going, help me. <laughs> and He-Man's like, you know, let's go get him, Battlecat. So He-Man and Battlecat save him. And then Dragoon's like, uh, you know, maybe I've been wrong. Maybe saving lives is better. So there's this whole, you know, uh, very cliched character moment where Dragoon realizes, you know, maybe I shouldn't be a bad guy. And He-Man just walks away. If, I ever, if you ever do wrong again, I'll come back and give you a good punch. But um, yeah, so it's, it's all well and good. In the storyboards, I'm reading through it, and uh, Dragoon, um, instead of chucking a boulder, well, I think he chucks a boulder, they avoid it, and then he leaps at Battle Cat, misses, and falls down the bottomless hole. And, and um, He Man, you know, Battle Cat's fallen over the edge slightly, so He Man pulls him up, and, uh, and He Man's like, You're safe, Battle Cat, or something like that. And Battle Cat's like, Dragoon was not so lucky. And He Man's got like a grin on his face, going, Yeah, you know, bad luck, he's going to die. And I was like, Oh my God, hang on. You know, it's just, that's really weird. That, and, and I've actually seen evidence that that scene was animated as well, to a degree. I, I mean, I, you know, again, that's one of the wonderful things I always love about He Man and Shira that I always champion is that you always, to this day, discover stuff about you know things from you know which is nearly 30 year old brand or whatever and you're like oh my goodness i didn't know that this concept or this prototype or this episode there's always new stuff to discover which is phenomenal when you think about it oh yeah yeah i mean you you know because i don't mean to you know be bad horrible or something but like the 2002 show it might be because it's too early but that the mike young production show it's like everything that needed to be known about is already out there. There's been no, maybe that's like I say, maybe because it's, it's fairly new, but we haven't heard like, Oh, originally in this episode, or maybe I need to write a book about that. But, um, there's <laughs> been no kind of, you know, amazing things. Whereas with the filmation cartoon and the original Mattel line, there's all this new stuff still coming along, you know, out mm-hmm. being, you know, these revolutions as it were revelations. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. I didn't write a book. Um, but yeah, like so. As I was writing this book, I was kind of just discovering new stuff, and it is. I thought, you know, I thought to a point, oh, I, you know, I know quite a bit about the cartoon. As I'm writing this book, I'm like, goodness, I don't know anything. And um, yeah, like I say, just, uh, discovering the dragoon thing, and I picked up a few scripts in between. And then at the end of this book, I thought, you know, I've done this, that. Why don't I include like I'd, I'd managed to pick up um, at one of the comic cons all of. Uh, I think I presume they're all of Robbie London's. Um, I think they were written by Robbie London. His original script ideas, just like premises for each of, you know, the episodes. And it's the early days when um, 
the evil warriors were the masters of the universe or masters of the universe, which is still my favorite idea of the original cartoon. Mm-hmm. I love the idea the villains were the masters of the universe because, you know, it gives, it gives new meaning, meaning to the title. It's like He-Man and the bad guys. And mm-hmm. I just like, I, I like the idea that <laughs> the villains were the masters of the universe. And a few, you know, you, if you look in this book, a few of those references to the villains being masters of the universe creep into the scripts just where they weren't rewritten. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was all, you know, discovering new stuff and shoved in the back of the book. I say shoved, wrote in the back of the book all these um, abandoned episode premises. And it's, I don't know, it's just, I was discovering stuff all the time. Even reading those episode premises, I was like, oh, I didn't know they planned that for Faker or stuff like that. And it was, um, it was, you know, it was, as corny as it sounds, it was, it was a, it was a, pl- it was a joy to write as well as being a complete nightmare because you know when there's nothing on a page and you think right I've got to write this book so you start tapping away at the keyboard knowing that it's going to be huge but at the same time when it's done it's like uh, and during it it's like it's so much fun um, you know I'm never going to be financially I'm not going to be able to buy an apartment you know in, in uh, a wealthy part of town but it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's it's nice to have worked on something that I'm really really proud of you know like- which is I like how you mentioned about the, uh, the all the unproduced concepts that you include uh, in the book. I think that's that's really a a cool draw for all the fans to be able to to see what could have been. So well, yeah. with, with that in mind, though, like if you if you could hire back all of the filmation <laughs> uh, He Man people, which 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 concept would you pay them to actually produce? Like which one is that good? Oh, what of the episodes? Yeah, that were not produced. Oh, I don't know. I've I've always had. It's weird. I mean, because the best thing about you know an, an episode premise is that it can sound amazing, mm-hmm. and then the actual thing comes along, and you're like, oh, that's awful. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, although an episode that's got the premise, a circus comes to Eternia and Skeletor wants it, that pretty much is summed up in the premise. You know what that's going to be like. Um, but yeah, it's like. I don't know. There was there was so many in there because you read them and you you immediately picture the filmation characters and how the voices would be. Just like not like you're sitting there analysing it, but you're just thinking about oh that scene probably would have happened or Tila would have been. But when these things were written, you know these were like I think probably very early influenced by the you know the DC comics material. Mm-hmm. I think Tila is T dash La, um, and uh, at one point I, I don't even know if I mentioned this in the book. I've I, because I was going through my stuff the other day and I found this this page of material that Robbie London had written where the the Diamond Rave disappearance it was it was called the Lost Stone of Souls which I think I mentioned but the villains weren't Beastman Merman sorry alphabetically Beastman Evil in Merman Trapdoor and Triclops it was I think it was Beastman uh, Desirer Merman uh, Dragoon and Triclops so it's like wow Robbie London really wanted to put Dragoon in from the beginning you know and he mm. kind of I guess evolved into this one shot character but um, yeah I've, you know so I read through all these premises and there's so many like you know you just love the idea I think there was one called Exploding Worlds and I was like wow that's so awe inspiring as a title <laughs> that's like huge world is exploding you know um, and you know it might have come out and it'd been a rubbish episode but I think out of all of them the one that always kind of grabs me was the um, uh, Faker episode um, I th- I'm trying to remember what it was called I think it was actually just called Faker with an exclamation mark um, 
just because Faker was treated or dealt with so badly in the filmation cartoon, you know, this um, one-shot appearance in The Shaping Staff, you know, I shall make another He-Man, an evil one called Faker. Boom, there he is. Oh, that's Faker. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even look like Faker. And then he does this, you know, falls off the edge of Castle Grayskull. It's like, uh, is that it? <laughs> yeah, you know, he looks pretty cool for a few seconds where he's like a match for He-Man. But I thought, you know, in the UK, we had the UK annuals um, and the UK comic, and they really championed the whole idea that Faker was this, you know, evil He-Man double that could look like, could have He-Man's, you know, look for at least a few hours or something. But after a while, the magic would wear thin and he'd have to resume his normal blue skin, orange haired identity. Mm-hmm. And um, I just. From that, I always had this idea that Faker was like a really, really cool character and just so underused in the cartoon. So you had this script by, or this premise, I should say, by Robbie London, which is called Faker, in which, you know, E-Man is seen across Eternia causing trouble and, you know, kicking over buildings and, you know, stealing people's mail and stuff like that. (laughs) Wow, that sounds like an amazing episode. And obviously that's Faker, you know, under the, you know, but Prince Adam knows the truth or all crying cringy, you know, like discover the truth or something I thought that's how Faker should have been used mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it was like when, when the Mike Young show was on and, and there was that one glimpse of Faker in um, The Courage of Adam when the He-Man robot you know they yes. if, and he turns blue for like a frame and everybody's like oh, Faker, Faker. yeah <laughs> that, we all wanted oh yeah. there's going to be a Faker episode and it never happened and I thought oh, I'd love to have seen that well uh, when you talk about the shaping staff I at least maybe would have believed it more if he used the shaping staff or something <laughs> to create figure he just out of nowhere zaps up a, 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 a dude that's as strong as He-Man <laughs> like why doesn't he just do this every day or make an army of them every day I mean <laughs> I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, <laughs> it's so true. It's like the, every episode could have a cameo from Faker in. Right. Here's <laughs> his Faker's appearance for the episode, you know. Would have made um, would have made the great Sean Eternia a lot more interesting, Faker at a circus. But, uh, you know, it's that whole thing of I just would have preferred that character, I mean, in general, to be used a hell of a lot better. But uh, this, this, out of all the scripts, just for the principle of having a good Faker episode, I think that's the one I would love to have seen uh produced um now i just we kind of made fun of the the shaping staff's use of, of faker a bit so i, I want to know <laughs> just so that we can show that we're not um uh, fanboys that are blind and, and just love filmation to death no matter what <laughs> which episodes would because we always ask about what are our favorite episodes which episodes in the book did you kind of mm, not talk so highly of Oh, I can off the top of my head. I mean, I've I show I've always shown great contempt for the Star Child, which is the one where obviously I'm, I'm not telling you because you know the episodes. <laughs> Just telling the listeners that might not know um, the the Star Child is the episode where um, young girl is uh, arrives at the royal palace and there's two factions of uh, a warring factions of people the, the the tree people and the cave dwellers and they want the Star Child, who's this little girl with an immense power you know hinted that she could be one of the most powerful characters on the planet blah 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 and um so yeah oh wow what a concept what a premise the entire episode revolves around her constantly running away around the royal palace 
you know, just constantly around the road. You know, how big is this damn palace? I mean, it is big. I'll give it that. But she's just running around through all these orange corridors. And after a while, it's like, oh, this is so dull and repetitive. And then at one point, they get her and they take her back to the throne room. And they're going to make a final decision on which faction should have the child. And then she runs away again. You think, oh, no. And then she goes through this vent in the ground to the old vine jungle. I'm like, that's the most convenient vent I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. It goes from the whole it's just, uh, we all need those convenient events, but it's just, uh, she ends up like in the Vine Joe when the episode keeps going and then it turns into this thing where it's all been a big misunderstanding. But the, the, the worst thing about it is the Star Child, I, you know, child characters are probably quite hard to write and when you write them well, people can easily say, oh, that's, that's such a cliche, darling. You know, she's so, you know, childlike or whatever but they write the star child as such a brat that she's so dislikable it's like oh just just don't bother finding her just end the episode or let let skeletor appear have skeletor in the episode that'd be really cool you know having possessed the star child or something <laughs> and it's just it's one of the most long drawn out monotonous episodes of the series and um yeah i've, I've i mean i think in the book i gave that a three but i think that might be being a bit too kind yeah i think you're then a bit, course, bit too kind I, I don't like that episode either i would put it pretty uh, low then of course we've got um the greatest shawnee turner which is the infamous circus episode um which is awful do you, do you know what's even more awful is it's harder for me to remember since i was so young um specific episodes of he-man that i saw on on television yeah. And unfortunately, that's oh, one no. that I vividly remember watching. Oh, no. <laughs> Sitting in the living room at the TV watching it. You had to have counseling after that, I'm sure. I know, right? It's just Terrible. not good. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the problem I have with that episode is like, I, I, think I, I don't know if I say this in the book, but Ralby Goran, who wrote it, is not a bad writer. Yes, he had two bad episodes in the series, but he also wrote The Shadow of Skeletor, which is an an amazing episode in which like he man has got to sort out well the attorneys i should say the heroes have got to sort out this war between two moons it's a really good episode really really good episode but um the greatest show on attorney and i mean start off with that the greatest show on attorney is really bad just because the premise circus isn't bad but the, the idea that skeletor wants them to perform is bad which is the first element of the script then the fact that he's gonna you know kidnap the clown and make the circus perform for him is even worse just because and he wants to do it to spite the people of Eternia it's like dude you're the lord of destruction you know you know that's, why would you, why are you chasing down a circus yes so that was you know that's that script then there was monster on the mountain which is one of those episodes I've always kind of wanted to like because it's so refreshingly different you've got you know the Tingler, who is this um, man monster, uh, urban legend kind of thing, who lives on this uh, mountain, Mount Fear, in the village of Ruxtown. And it's, it's done very much like the, the entire episode is done much like a, like a, uh, almost like a Mary Shelley, you know, Frankenstein kind of thing. It's, it's very old school, old school, that's such a terrible phrase. <laughs> it's very old world, kind of, it doesn't look like Eternia at all. It looks like some town from like, England, you know, in the I don't know, goodness knows when, what time period, but it's it's like a it's like a long, long time ago. So it's very out of sorts with the rest of the series. But the problem is, the script is really kind of bad, um, and it's the characters again. You've got the, the one of my favourite things about the episode is also the worst thing is that you've got all these very minor characters who've all got names. You've got like I think there's um, 
Jed Hansen, Miller Perkins, Emma. Um, God, there's so many. I'm trying to remember them all now. They've all escaped my mind. But they're all like given really prominent roles in this episode. And Prince Adam, Teela, Orca and Cringer, Stroke, He-Man and Battle Cat, are all like to the back. And it's all kind of focuses on these villagers and their kind of... Uh, Mis- misunderstanding of this giant man who lives on a mountain but it's just it's very weird um, very weird episode but like I say Rabbi Goyen isn't an awful right he wouldn't mm-hmm. be a right for a start but um, I just don't think those episodes are a good uh, good example of his writing and then my other least favourite episode which I've got to mention is Time Doesn't Fly which I think is an awful episode slightly racist in parts as well i got to say it's just a very very bad episode that kind of mixes up what we know about the series um, you know and then presents this good idea but really poorly executed that there's the council of seasons that they need to you know I don't want to go into it it's just too many bad memories but they've got the worst (laughs) kind of stereotyping you know people Mm -hmm. criticize Jitsu's one appearance in the dragon invasion oh my god he's you know he's drawn like you know almost like a caricature and it's like no okay fair enough to a degree but in in um time doesn't fly it's terrible it's like you know everybody who's of asian descent in this episode is oh why is he man he is very and it's like oh please come on you know that you don't have to make that character talk like that and the whole episode is just like full of this and it's it's mm-hmm. just a bit i don't know but uh, and the the, the actual episode itself is very dull as well and it's got Hexon who looks like a, a blue manie from the Ellis submarine it's, <laughs> it's a very strange character but yeah the, the awards for the worst episodes I think goes to, go to those ones I'm sure there's a few others as well well and thankfully uh, Filmation corrected the uh, did a better sort of story on uh, different races in She-Ra with the oh trolls and stuff so that was very much so yeah. although Larry Cotillo famously didn't get the, the moral segment he wanted for that one did yeah. it Tro- Trolls Dream which is mm-hmm. a really episode uh, especially as you point out for kind of showcasing the different races and stuff and understanding and acceptance rather than ignorance and, and Lukey appears at the end and says uh, you know was it eat your vegetables or did you <laughs> find me in today's episode he's like no 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 there was a deeper <laughs> message to this episode but it, it, what's great though is, is watching it you get the deeper me- message regardless, so... Yeah, oh yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's the key to, you know, the key to a good script, obviously, in He-Man, is you, you pick up what the, 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 the moral is as opposed to having... Although, uh, let's talk about House of Shikoti with Ram Man say, you know, don't ram things. It's like, where did that come from? <laughs> Probably one of the most random uh, moral segments you're ever likely to hear. Well, uh, since we, we, we brought up She-Ra a little bit, you do cover... Um, what, the Secret of the Sword animated movie in the book, which I can consider being a She-Ra entity since it, it's made of her episodes. Oh, uh, and then the, the the Christmas special. I, I don't know, maybe just because it's around when She-Ra already existed, I also count the Christmas special as kind of being a, a She-Ra entity. I don't uh, know. But, again, um, I'll agree with that, yeah. But um, so what made you decide to include uh, those particular two things in, in at the end of the book? I'll be honest, and people might not like my answer for this, but um, originally it was just going to be a pure He-Man book. But then the, when I was working to a publisher, the publisher said, we really like it if you, inc- if you could include the, um, the the any kind of specials there were. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, so I wrote the 
the Secret of the Sword entry and a Christmas special. And then, thankfully, I'm glad I did write them. I'm, I'm sure I would have eventually, but initially it wasn't in my plans. And they said, why don't you do that? And I was like, what a really good idea. And, you know, so that that's how those two came to be. And um, I had a lot of fun writing The Secret of the Sword as well. I was like, I'm writing this thinking, oh, man, I so badly want to write a Shira book. <laughs> and... And then I wrote the two specials, which was a great, The Greatest Adventures of All and Skeletor's Revenge as well, just to kind of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cover everything, I think. I think the only thing I, I didn't really mention was the, um, or cover was the uh, original filmation, you know, pilot animation thing that they presented at, I think it was Toy Fair and stuff, or which, um, which you know, nobody has seen, which mm-hmm. is a sad mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, it's um yeah that's that's the reason why I included it. But like I say, I'm sure I would have, but it was at the publisher's uh, request that I do it initially, and then obviously me and my publisher went separate ways, and uh, I, I did it all off my back. <laughs> well, if you do well, decide you- to do a a Shira book, what you need to do is on. Uh, and, and on some random page hidden in the book um, oh that's good the the, <laughs> the letters on the like let's say left side of the paragraph there the left yeah. alignment should spell out looky <laughs> and it'll be hidden in the book i like it it might be incredibly hard for people to find but no i like it i like it a lot okay <laughs> you know you just something you have to do my suggestion that's, that's be done no that's that's the best suggestion yeah um no, that's, that's gonna happen because uh, I've, I've said quite publicly like people have asked oh is you know is a shira one coming out as well and i'm like I'd, I'd love to write a shira one but i just need to see how this he-man one sells first it's already doing a hell of a lot better than i expected um you know, I expected to get a few hundred sales, but it's exceeded that. And I'm like, ooh, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to sell out by the end of the year. But my target for the end of the year is very much achievable at the moment. So if that happens, then I'll strongly look into doing a Shira one because, uh, you know, I've got all the material for a Shira one. And um, it's, it's something I want to do because it's Shira. Excellent. You know, it's, just, it's the perfect companion book, really. Mm-hmm. So the only thing is, I was thinking with the He-Man cover, I had the lightning and the the purple sky and all that. And cool. The Shira one, I, she hasn't got lightning, so I'm thinking, how do I? You know, I'm trying to think, how do I get around that without showing Shira? If well, I was to show, you, show you, her in silhouette. You could still put her in silhouette, but have the the gold um, light it's rays like, or whatever that's exploding behind her. Yeah, yeah. I that might be it. catchy. I mean, you'd have to toy around with it. Uh, but let's not give away all of your. Uh, Oh, ideas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn, what's going on? But um, now tell everyone where they can get the book because they should order it. And uh, it has my stamp of approval. And there is absolutely no one else, not even Larry Dottilio himself, would I <gasps> recommend to write an official – it should be an official – but a uh, cartoon guide yeah. <laughs> to, to Filmation Seaman. No one else besides James E. Talk should write this. So tell them where you can get it. Thank you for the incredibly kind words there, Mr. Callis. Um <laughs> It's, unfortunately, I don't have the best website addresses around, but if you go to um, bustertoons.blogspot.com, that's my He-Man and She-Ra blog, which I update every other day kind of thing if I'm having a good week. And um, and on there, there's a link on the right. You see Orko. He's, he's there in all his glory, and he's holding – I think he's holding. That's what I tried to imply with the graphic. He's holding the unofficial guide, and it says, click here to buy James E. Talks He-Man cartoon guidebook. And then you click on that. So I've just done, and it takes you to the actual page um, where you can buy the, purchase the book. 
if you're in the UK, it's available world, worldwide because, you know, with Serial Geek, it was very difficult to kind of publish that and distribute it worldwide. But um, the He-Man book was one of the, the first things I did was like, right, this needs to be a worldwide publication because uh, there are people in all walks of life and from all parts of the world that are going to want this. And I was right, and I'm very happy. And Absolutely. they are too. Every, everybody seems to be really happy. That's the one thing I'm so happy about is that people really do seem to like this book. You know, I'm, I'm the worst... You know, contrary to belief, I'm the world's worst pimper kind of thing. I'm, I'm terrible like promoting myself. I'm always like doing it with like a wry smile or trying to be kind of ironic or uh, you know biting or something. I, I can't say I've done a really good book, but <laughs> but people are really you know kind of speaking highly of it. And I'm like you know I heard Josh's comments in the previous podcast. And I was like wow, you know that was that was really lovely of him to say you know. It's the, first, the you know the best T-Man book that's come along in years, and it's unofficial. And I was like, <laughs> a little tear came in my eye there. I was like, thank you, Josh. I know, seriously. I mean, I cannot even comprehend how someone would be able to say anything negative about the book. It has so much information, uh, so much that I'm sure a lot of people don't know. Like I said, I recommend getting the book and then watching the entire He-Man series over again. Um, uh, just to soak in all of this knowledge. But like, the, the only reason I could think that someone would not like this is they're just simply one of those people who are unfortunately uh, jaded about the filmation cartoon series in general and its morals uh -huh. and He-Man doesn't punch anybody. Oh. But, uh, you know, it's a fantastic series, fantastic book. I can't praise I'm, it enough, I'm, sir. No, thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it. It's like... You should be. I said in the introduction, it's the book I've been, I think at the time when I was writing it, it's the book that's been like kind of 26 years in the making, ever since I first saw the He-Man cartoon in the UK. And I was like, yeah. Well, yeah, and, then and I appreciate it so much more than, than a lot of stuff that's come out just because, like you mentioned before, like you've always been kind of the about the cartoon. And that's the same with me. I had a ton of the toys, loved the toys as a child as well, but I was always more focused on the He-Man and She-Ra cartoon series. That's what really yeah. stuck with me. That's what made me love He-Man and She-Ra. Um, so this book is just, it's just a perfect companion. Thank you very much. It, it was a, like I said, it was a joy to write. I'm very, very happy that people are liking it. And uh, I hope more people continue to um, discover it and uh, like it and benefit from uh, its informative pages of Wonderman. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks again, James, uh, for, for being on talking to us uh, about no, your book. You me on, uh, thank you for having me on Master's Cast again. Um, you know, always a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, definitely. And hey, we'll be looking forward to hopefully a Shira one down the line. Oh, yes. <laughs> Watch the space. <laughs> All right. So thanks again to uh, James for doing that interview. Thanks again to every single person that downloaded this podcast. I would thank you individually by name, but that would take me too long. <laughs> we do appreciate it. We do. I'm not lying. This was a very special episode. <laughs> because it was our fifth anniversary plus some months. <laughs> Basically our five and, and a half year anniversary. There we go. That we works. That way. There were some holidays in between there. and Yeah. Thanks for listening. Masterscast.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so.
silence speaks a thousand words. That, that, <laughs> this is when you lose listeners. They're like, no, I'm going. <laughs> They've run out of. I'm waiting for the clip of crickets chirping or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know that how long that would take in editing. Oh, <laughs> oh to add another track. <laughs> Um, I would also like to thank Daylight Savings Time for messing up, right? Or I don't know what it's called across the pond. (laughs) (laughs) So I would like to thank it for interfering with our time schedule. And I would like to, um, yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Was I uh, tremendously late? No. 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 You, however, if we, if we hadn't had technical difficulties, you might have been. Yes, we kind of didn't notice at first, right? Because I was trying to fix the microphone situation, so. I looked at the clock, and uh, <laughs> no, I had to check the message first, because I thought it was seven. And then I thought, so, actually, we've changed it to four. And I said, oh, God, I thought we changed it from four to seven. And then I realized I would be about an hour and a half late. <laughs> <laughs> I got into the point where I was composing my excuse for a uh, <laughs> miss. <laughs> Dear John, <laughs> sorry I was late. I was in a car accident. <laughs> Martin, don't put such things out to the universe. <laughs> That's you really, you really, you really shouldn't be driving with George Michael. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't get in the car with him regardless. Right. <laughs> Just putting that out I'm there. I'm sure Martin from their news knows what I'm talking about. No one ever here does. And I'm a huge George Michael fan, so of course I know. But I would totally trust Martin driving me around jolly old England, even though he'd be on the other side and it'd be freaky. <laughs> we'd, we'd be on the right side. Right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, now you're bringing up my speeding ticket, and I don't like to think about that. So, <laughs> thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as Shadow. I am Katie Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I'm Martin Bell, also known as Wacky Martin. And I'm Josh Delancourt, also known as Lion Court. That was one of the best ones we've ever done. (laughs) Practice makes perfect five years. (laughs) The first Human and Shiver podcast, episode number, like I know. (laughs) (laughs) Stick that on the end of the show as a blooper. Yeah.